Welcome to the Dr. Donna Podcast, here on the Experience of the Soul podcast channel. Innovative, evidence-based recovery that helps to identify intergenerational trauma, allowing for freedom and embracement of the healing process. Today, episode 106, Aging, Part 1. And now your host, Dr. Donna Bevanley. And this is Dr. Donna. Welcome to my podcast. And I've been talking about life on life's terms. And it is challenging for all of us, including myself, uh, life on life's terms. And today I'm going to be talking about something that we all do. Everybody does it. Okay. And it is, I think, one of the biggest challenges when we're talking about life on life's terms. And it's an, it's an issue that someone asked me to address. One of the listeners asked me to address aging. Now, this is something that young people might not even care about. It, you know, people who are even in their midlife might not even care about, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. Somebody asked me to, or my listeners asked me to, and, uh, it does kind of follow what I was talking about, uh, um, in terms of life on life's terms, because part of life on life's terms is that we all have an expiration date. Okay. I don't believe personally that it's predetermined. I don't think that you know, God or anyone else has a moment in life where they say, okay, you're done now. It's just what happens. Okay. Aging is what happens to people. And, you know, there, we all go through different phases of life. And when I was younger in school, we talked about, you know, the different phases of growth, but we always stopped at like age 21 or 25, whenever at that point, uh, we thought that people were finished physically growing up. So meaning that, okay, you're not going to get any taller. Okay. Your brain's not going to get, you know, your frontal lobe is closed now. So, you know, whatever's been going on is kind of going on. We, you know, we kind of decided that Without saying, oh, let's just stop. It, we just kind of stop thinking about different phases of our lives or different stages of growth. Okay. So we had, you know, the, you know, baby stage, toddler stage, uh, young child stage, adolescence, you know, late adolescence and then adults. So adult stage used to be from when you got your real job or when you got married or when you, you know, it's like, and that was it. That was that stage. Now you're in your adult stage and we stopped. <clears throat> but, you know, what, like it or not, whether people like it or not, I am a baby boomer and we never, you know, one of the things about us and like it or dislike it, but you've probably had positive results in your own life as a result of us and the way we are. We don't do anything, you know, we don't go in any stage or deal with anything without kicking and screaming. Okay. So like we 
were instrumental in civil rights. We were instrumental in women's rights. We were instrumental in gay rights. We've been instrumental in, oh, you mean breast cancer? What? No, you can't just ignore that. No, you have to give money to it. You have to do research. You have to help us figure out a way to deal with that. And hey, well, let's talk about, you know, erectile dysfunction. It was the baby boomers that said, wait a minute, what's this? We aren't taking this laying down, no pun intended. We aren't just going to just say, oh, okay, well, this is the way it is and just walk off into the, no, that's not who we are. And we don't do aging that way either. It helps us to understand that life stages happen all the way to death. Now, I just had a friend who's 96-year-old uh, cousin died. And, you know, like in the last week or so. And when she was talking about it, she said, yeah, there were, you know, those stages that people talk about where they get really energetic and they talk and they seem really lucid and then they go to sleep and they don't wake up. Okay. So there's even stages of dying that are not just Kubler-Ross stage, but just how we as human beings deal with what we're going through now, which is life on life's terms, right? And so I do want to talk about those stages of aging. You know, once you get your real job, once you get married, once you start a family, once you decide you can move to another state or another country even, um, we talk about this in terms of, well, this is all just part of adult life, but it really is a, you know, part of how we age. Now, we know that women, uh, we women have a period of time that we can get pregnant and bear children. They call that the childbearing years. And we, you know, we get to a point where we're not going to get pregnant anymore. We're not going to be bearing children anymore. And for us, that means, you know, we've gone through menopause. And that is a stage of life that every woman will go through. You know, for, for some people, they, you know, they have a hysterectomy for some reason. And that is a still a phase or a stage of their life where they are going through that. Right. And it impacts the rest of their life. It impacts how you feel about your life. Um, so, you know, I, I know because I've been going through this myself. And, you know, the person that asked me to talk about this wasn't my age. In fact, this person could be my grandchild. Um, but was talking about you know, what does this mean? I mean, how, how is it going? What happened? And aging, especially when you start moving forward, um, say from 65 or 70 on, where people start referring to you as elderly, um, that is a very important aspect of our lives, this last final stage of our 
you know, big stage. There will be little things that happen that require, like I, I was talking about my friend. It's like, oh, I'm all energetic. I'm talking. I'm lucid and all this. And then I go to sleep and I'm dead. Um, but as we move forward in that, there are some things that happen to all of us. Okay. And again, this is life. Okay. Life on life's terms. Nobody knows how they're going to age. And I know that for me as a woman, I made a decision to just age the way that I am. Okay. I'm not having surgeries. I'm not, you know, doing things that I think will make me look younger, which, you know, being opinionated a little bit about this, I see women who spend inordinate amount of time, energy, and money trying to change the way their face looks or their butt looks or their breast looks or whatever, trying to make it look younger. And I just feel sad about that because I think they just look strange. And maybe other people think they look great, but I just think they look strange. <laughs> it just doesn't look normal. It doesn't look natural. Well, because it isn't natural. Um, but this, you know, it's a result of how we see ourselves getting older, going into final, our final stages of life. Now I see some of this craziness happening when people are in their teens. So I know that it's not about the kind of aging I'm talking about. Although they may see, look in the mirror and see themselves being, you know, like losing their vitality, losing their ability to do things when they're 20, because that's what they have been trained to think. I'm talking about actually getting older and some of the experiences that people have as they are actually getting older, becoming elderly. All right. And, you know, I'll talk about this in terms of some of the experiences that people, because I've asked people about this. I'm not just talking about myself. I've asked other people, what's it like for you? And some of the things that they talk about identify with. Uh, one of the big ones, though, that this person was asking about and talking about was they're afraid that they're going to lose their potential and their feeling of importance in life. Okay. So we are all born with some kind of potential and that leads us to do the things that we do, say professionally or career wise you know, what our potential is to be good parents or not, what our potential is to love, to give, to recognize others or not. Um, that, you know, as we grow, that our potential expands. Okay. So maybe we're really good in school. We get really good grades and we're really good learners. And that's a, a potential. But then what we do with it, that's called potential. It's like we have all these abilities. Are we going to do something with them? What is the potential? So uh, if I have all those abilities, then maybe I'll go to, to get a higher education or maybe I'll start a business or maybe I'll, you know, look at something that I think is really wrong in the world. And, you know, like I've seen 
young people like figure out ways to make purify water in Africa, say, you know, that's somebody using their potential abilities in a positive way. I, I, uh, refer to this in my book, Iron Legacy. And by the way, it's on audio now and you can get it on many platforms, including Amazon, um, and Spotify. Um, but I talk about the fact that, you know, I was born with a gift. Uh, people in my generation and my mother's generation used to call it the gift of gab. Okay. The gift of gab is that I can talk about virtually anything. And it, it turns out that as I look back on that, because I have it, my son has it. My brother has it. Um, and this gift of gab is actually a trait. My father, he could talk to anybody. At any time, I refer to this in my book. It's like he could talk to anyone about anything at any time. And I'll just give you an example of that because I'm talking about it. His is, you know, he used his potential to do this in such an interesting way. And that is that he would really listen to what other people had to say, even if he couldn't understand it. So I remember, I, I think, I, I don't know if I told you this little story or not, but I lived in Arizona for a long time. And when I was there, they came to visit. And I took him and my mother, and this was in the days when you could do this pretty simply, to Nogales. We just drove over there and uh, got out and just walked around and looked at all the stuff. And we walked into a saddle store, a tax store, where this, uh, there was this man who made saddles. My father's a cowboy and he, he was a, um, cow, he, he fancied himself a rodeo cowboy and he was actually extremely good at it. Uh, and then he became, you know, a cattle rancher. So he was on his horse almost every day and he had like saddles and he had some. So he's talking to this guy about saddles and my mother and I said, Oh, this was going to be a two hour event. So we left, but I remembered thinking he's talking to this man about a saddle. He doesn't speak Spanish and the man he's talking to doesn't speak English. The gift of gab talk to anybody about anything in language. Now I don't know if I can do this. I think I could. I've done it before, but not like him. He spent two hours there with this man. And when my father died, this man came to his funeral. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> he had made a friend. Okay. So this is a potential. Now, will this potential continue? For my father, it did not because he got Alzheimer's. And so his potential I saw die. He couldn't carry on a conversation. He couldn't speak. And so it's that potential started to leave. Loss of potential. Okay. So that's part, that's a, that's an example 
of what happens to people as they age. Now, I know people who are quite elderly, more than me, who can talk about a lot of things, and that that ability is still there. But over time, it becomes less and less. Okay? the When you lose that sense of purpose, you also feel unimportant. When that purpose, let's say your purpose was to become a great therapist, or let's say your purpose was to become a great actor. And some actors are still acting even in their really, you know, elderly time, but they don't do it in the same way. And they don't get the kind of energetic and, you know, exciting uh, roles to act in. So I wanted to become a really good therapist. I didn't ever feel like I needed to be the greatest therapist in the world, but I have a potential to become a good therapist. For one thing, I got the gift of gab. So when people would come and talk to me, they knew, and this was probably one of the reasons I, I'm still pretty busy and I was always busy. I never had unbusiness and that was because i don't just sit and go mm-hmm. oh that must be hard oh oh i talk to them like a real person and i can talk to them about what it is they're talking about and i know that's a gift it's not something i learned in school because what i learned in school was to sit there and go because mm-hmm, i was i grew up in the rogerian uh therapy time where you just said oh that must feel terrible oh that must feel really terrible oh i'm you know i hear you saying that you're angry that after you know if you're really in distress this will be okay some of the time but at some point you want some kind of interaction with that person okay that's what you pay for and that's what you expect so anyway I had this, and so my potential to be a competent uh, therapist who, you know, went through their life doing things that, you know, I hope were helpful. Um, I had that potential. I used that potential, and I was successful at it. Now, when I went into semi-retirement, I'll tell you, that's how tough. And I've talked to other people about this. You know, it's like, okay, so now you're retired. How does it feel? And it's interesting to me that the men I talk to about this, they say, oh, I just feel great. I'm out doing stuff. I'm, you know, reading all the time. I'm doing X, Y, or Z. I'm just really glad I don't do that anymore. Women, on the other hand, feel a great loss. I'm not doing this anymore. And the story I make up about that, and this is just Donna Bevanley speaking, is that for women my in my generation, if you were going to be successful, competent in a profession, in a career, you had to work really hard to even get the opportunity. It wasn't just a given. 
Now, it was certainly not a given when I was young that I would actually go to college. I didn't know really what college was. I was born and raised to be a mother of many children and a wife who knew how to cook and sew and take care of her husband so that he would take care of her. And I was told many, many times that if you went on to a higher education and you didn't have to learn how to be a secretary in higher education, we were, we took secretarial schools, uh, courses in my school. You know, I was really great at shorthand and typing, man. I could outdo anybody doing that. And that was, that was like, oh, well, now you can do that. You can go off and be a mother and say, and you can use those secretarial skills to fall back on in case your husband leaves. That was, that was the story then. So it wasn't like, so you should go to college and get a business degree because you're really good at this kind of stuff. No, that wasn't it. Nobody encouraged me. It was by accident. And I know many women my age who, you know, it's like that was their job. That was what their job was to get married and raise children and raise. And and I think that's a great job. And believe me, I've done it and I know how hard it is. But when you have to work really hard to get a profession or career that is not part of our society's reality about women when you start losing that it's a huge loss okay and i know that you know my colleagues you know my friends who have gone through this they all say the same thing well i'm i'm i appreciate not having the stress of that or i appreciate not having to do that every single day because, you know, usually it's not because they didn't like what they were doing because if you have to work that hard to get it, you probably really like it. It's because of things like, you know, I have a friend who's a doctor and I, I asked her, I said, what do you miss the most about it? And she said, the only thing I miss about it is dealing with insurance companies, with malpractice issues, with, you know, administration in our clinic, uh, having to take time out of my work with patients. Because that, I love, that's what I went and worked so hard for. And in my generation, I'll tell you, for those of you who don't really believe this, I can tell you from first-hand experience. One of my very best friends in college was brilliant. She got three degrees and had a four-point average. She had a, she had a degree in, in psychology. She had a degree in biochemistry. She had a degree in biology. And she had a heck of a time getting into medical school. She was in pre-med, right? So she had those degrees. She couldn't get into medical schools 
anywhere in the country except for where she went to college, did her undergraduate work. I couldn't believe it because we knew guys who were not nearly, did not nearly have the capabilities she did. And she did volunteer work while she was in school, the whole bit. I mean, she was an excellent physician, as it turns out. But getting into medical school was darn near impossible for her. Where we had male friends who had B averages. And they got into every school they applied to. So it wasn't a given. All right. And uh, she went on to be, like I said, she went on to be a great physician. And, you know, I don't know because I've lost touch with her. What has happened to her since, you know, like doctors, even doctors, surgeons, uh, psychologists, teachers, people who have a professional degree, who work their professional life in those professions, their lives in those professions. Do you feel like you've lost some of your importance in your life? And the ones I've talked to, like I said, you know, even the men who have like, I'm so glad this is over. They still feel that loss of importance in their lives because they just don't have it anymore. It's an external thing that, you know, is part of their lives, though, right? It's like, you are not your job. But if you've worked that hard to be that good at your job and now you don't have it anymore or it's cut in half or you're really not, you know, it's like you're really not participating in the way you used to. That feeling of a sense of importance in the world that I'm doing something important in the world that is, you know, that is positive. When it's gone, it's gone. So I want to talk some more about this. Because guess what? Aging, life on life's terms. If there's anything else I know for sure, that I know. Thank you for listening to the Dr. Donna podcast here on the Experience of the Soul podcast channel. This channel is made possible because of listeners just like you. If you would like to support the channel with your tax-deductible contribution on an ongoing basis or through a one-time gift, head over to experienceofthesoul.com slash support. The Dr. Donna Podcast is copyright 2023, Dr. Donna Bevanley, all rights reserved. Our theme music is composed by Dave Croft and used with permission. The Experience of the Soul Podcast channel is a production of 818 Studios. Hello, dear friends. We are so grateful for your continued support of the Experience of the Soul podcast. Your presence and engagement inspire us every week, and we aim to uplift and support your journey in return. So, we have set an ambitious goal to raise $9,000 over the next 90 days, and we invite you to contribute to that mission. Your support will help us continue to bring valuable content that will assist you as you navigate life's path. Please consider making a donation and being a part of our community's growth. Every contribution, no matter the size, will make a difference. 
All you have to do is head on over to experienceofthesoul.com slash support. We thank you for your generosity. And as always, we are holding you in our thoughts and prayers, and we wish you all of the best in your life's journey.